First reading is from Isaiah chapter 11, uh, verses, six to, sorry, verses 1 to 10, and it's on page 650 of the Church Bibles. A shoot shall come out from the stock of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. And the second reading is from Matthew, chapter 3, verses 1 to 12, and is on page 2 of the New Testament section of the Bibles. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, and all the region along the Jordan and they were baptised by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do, do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptise you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord.
Let's pray together. Lord God, we give thanks for your word this morning, for the foretelling of Christ's coming. We pray it would dwell richly in our hearts through faith. For we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Over the last month, I've been using a free subscription for Amazon Prime. It's probably not the uh, beginning of a sermon you thought you'd have, um, but about once a month, uh, once a year, uh, Amazon Prime gives you a free subscription to their films and various things. And I coincide this with the month that they uh, do some rugby. Um, it wasn't a good time to be a rugby fan this autumn. If you were an England or Wales fan, uh, it was a bit of a sorry time for them both. Um, luckily, um, I also follow the Irish teams because um, I grew up uh, spending a lot of time in Dublin um, and followed Leinster, which again wasn't a great team to follow in the mid-90s, but is one of the most successful teams of the modern era. So I'm a little more fortunate in that sense. But... Um, while I have this subscription, I thought, I'll just have a look, see if there's anything I want to watch. Uh, and I read that Amazon had decided to do what is set out to be the most expensive TV series of all time, um, based around Tolkien's universe, in set before The Lord of the Rings, but in that same universe. It's called The Rings of power. The series looks to creatively, sometimes very creatively, fill in some of the gaps of the early storylines around the book of the Silmarillion. Um, Some people who criticise it say it's nothing more than filling out the footnotes. But it's good fun, it's well produced and enjoyable. But getting your head around the timelines in this, and the timelines are over thousands of years, can be a real challenge. So in Tolkien's world, he splits his universe into a series of ages. The first age, second, third, and there's a teensy bit of a fourth age as well. The first is a highly mythic age, celestial beings posturing and fighting. The second, you have elves coming along, you get your big baddie Sauron and his first downfall, the third era, the one we may be more familiar with, that the Hobbit is set in, as is the Lord of the Rings, and is finished with the final downfall of Sauron. The fourth era, very little happens and is only talked about for a few years. But without these eras or marking points, Tolkien's universe is very difficult to understand and they work as very good sort of bookends for you to sort of work out where things are happening. Um, I loved those books when I was younger so when I went back and I I watched this Rings of Power I actually noticed a major inconsistency Uh, and one of the characters appears about a thousand years before they're supposed to. Uh, and then when I went and read the reviews, they were like, yeah, it's the creativity at times stretches things. But that's probably the biggest creativity that they use. But without this knowledge of where the various eras happen, I wouldn't have even noticed. And I'm sure for a lot of people, um, you can very much enjoy the series without even noticing it. But enough of 
Lord of the Rings and the Rings of Power. Today, towards our real epic, we're going to start with Isaiah's reading. It's back on page 650 of the Old Testament, if you want to have it open. It talks of the stump of Jesse, the stock of Jesse. Um, And then we'll have Matthew talking about John the Baptist later on. These passages connect quite nicely if you think about time in this particular way. Like in The Lord of the Rings with its ages, today we're going to think of three time periods. We're going to think of the former times, we're going to think of the present times, and we're going to think of the future times. Because these frame our perspective both on Isaiah and for John the Baptist. So, Isaiah's passage, page 650. A shoot shall come from the stock of Jesse. Now, if Jesse, who was Jesse's son? Jesse's son was King David, who would lead him to be the natural successor to this idea. The stock of Jesse, though, is a curious phrase. I read it translated more literally as the stump of Jesse. This is a tree that has already been cut down, bluntly. The living tree cut at the base. So that line of David cut down an intriguing image showing that the Davidic line would be cut down, but not fully culled, because it says a shoot grows from that stump. Cut down, but not forsaken. And this shoot, who we know as Jesus, it talks about him as the spirit of the Lord resting on him for wisdom, for understanding, for counsel, and might, for knowledge and fear of the Lord, things that we see fully fulfilled in him in his earthly life, things that he fulfills in his earthly ministry. And it goes on though, the wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard with the kid, the calf and the lion, and the little child shall lead them. A cow, a calf with the uh, a cow and bear graze together, and the young and their young shall lie down together. These are wonderful images. But do we see this in the coming of Jesus two thousand years ago? I was reading one lecturer in Old Testament, and he challenged the readers on this point. He said, not to put you off or to tell you that it wasn't Jesus all along or that he failed for that matter to live up to your expectations but in the coming of Jesus 2,000 years ago do you see a fullness of this passage? You see quite a lot of that beginning but do you see that fullness of the second half? So did Jesus fail? 
Remember I mentioned about our three times or ages. What did we call them? Our former times, our present times and our future times. This passage in Isaiah speaks to a future time. But not just to Isaiah but to us as well. Much of which did come into being in the coming of Jesus' life already to be experienced in our present time. But there is still waiting and there is looking forward to that future age. This lecture that I was reading encouraged us to, to keep on hoping for that coming age and that greater fulfilment that would be at the end of time. It wasn't that Isaiah looked forward from his present to his future age, but for us, we are fully in that future age. Instead, we have seen in part that coming that Isaiah talked about, but we also look patiently towards that future coming. They actually said we share that in common with the Jewish believers of Isaiah's time. But what about for John the Baptist, page 2 of the New Testament? For John, he is the great prophet to tell the people to, to look forward to the coming of Jesus. What were our three times, our former times, our present times, and our future times. John starts by giving a message of repentance. Turn away from your former things. Turn away from your old self, your former times, and be renewed now in... Be renewed and be transformed... He said, be baptised with water as a sign of that turning away from your old self. But John said another would come who would baptise with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The Holy Spirit, the breath of God in them and the fire, the cleansing from all unrighteousness. You then have this intriguing moment when the Pharisees and the Sadducees come along and say, well, this looks fun. Let's get involved in this. What does John the Baptist say to them? He flat refuses. He says, the axe is at the root of the tree for you guys. You've known the former things for a while. Notice here the, the tree about to become a stump again, but this time... It is for good. But why? The Pharisees have known for a long time about the need for repentance. They have been told to turn away from those former selves and follow God for long enough. So when John calls them a brood of vipers, he's saying, guys, no cutting the queue. You've known about this for a long time. If you haven't got this, what are you doing with your time? A Pharisee was supposed to have renounced their former selves a long time before this point. 
So a summary of this passage. Turn away from your former times. Repent, live renewed lives in the baptism that was being offered to them. And look out for another who will come, who will baptise in the Holy Spirit and with fire. And what does John say about that future time? It's a little symbolic, but stay with it. It says, his winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear the threshing floor and clear wheat into the granary and chaff and burn the chaff with fire. A symbol of future times when the imperishable things and the perishable things will be separated. The temporary from the eternal will be separated. A very different image from Isaiah's, but still one of unity with God and his faithfulness on the last day. Only the good things will remain. I think both Isaiah and John the Baptist cautioned the reader of Scripture of their former times when they didn't know God. But they also, at the same time, asked them to point forward, to trust God and to take him seriously. And then they both point to that future time when we will see a greater completion of Isaiah's vision. When the completion of John the Baptist's calling of repentance has happened. We all have a former times. We'll be be called into baptism of repentance, but also the Holy Spirit and the fire of holiness. And will we continue as well to look forward to that future times? This is the calling of Advent, when the fullest fulfilment of Isaiah and of John the Baptist come about. Let's pray together. Lord God, today as every day we turn from our old selves, And we turn to you, that we would live in the fullness that you have for us on this earth. And we also look forward to that day when you will bring all things under your rule and under your glory. Bless us and guide us on the way. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen.